Let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode. And is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. And welcome back to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for episode number 52 on this Monday, Columbus Day, October 9th, 2017. I am Joe Murata, alongside the one and only Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy doody. How you doing, sir? Good. Ready to talk about the world of retro wrestling? I am always ready to talk about old wrestling. The world of it, if you will. The world. The wacky world. <laughs> the world wrestling retro. That's right. That's that's uh, what we do here, folks. And we thank you for joining us each and every week. Before we get to anything, Quinn, we have a few points to make. As always, uh-huh. if you haven't followed us yet, we have a Twitter. Did you know that? Yeah, I've heard of it. <laughs> and you can follow us. Our handle is at OVP Podcast. So you go there, follow us, tweet at us. We'll tweet back. We'll follow back. We're not a bot, Quinn. Yes. Mashugana. <laughs> Mishlava from we Russia. We have a handle. We do have a handle on things, yeah. if you will. Uh, you can also email us if you like the long-form email communication. You can do that by going to your email and typing in ovppodcast at gmail.com. That is ovppodcast at gmail.com. Quinn, a few other things. We have a Facebook group. Yes, we have the Facebook group. You can join it by searching our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast over on Facebook. Click the join button on the group, yep. and then we will approve you. We approve pretty much anyone. What goes on there? Hijinks, generally. <laughs> you know, people talking about old wrestling like we do on this show, but with each other. It's really fun, actually. Yeah, it is fun. If you haven't joined yet, I highly suggest checking it out. If you don't like it, then don't. It's fine. Yeah, you, you don't, don't have to. You but don't have to like yeah. it. Uh, another thing you don't have to do, but we'd appreciate it, is check us out on iTunes. It's one of the places we are. Our Apple Podcasts. Quite. Yes, Apple Podcasts. It's where you get most of your podcasts. It's probably the number one <laughs> leading provider in podcast entertainment. You go over there, you hit subscribe, <laughs> yes. and you can also leave a review. Yes, what kind of review? Uh, five-star review, hopefully. <laughs> yes. Even if you don't like it, leave a five-star review. <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? And also, we have that contest going on with those reviews, so if you have a friend, leave a review and mention your name in it. Yep. It counts towards one point. Yes. In the and the, the most wins at the end, and you get a prize. That's right. We are doing the OVP Recommend a Friend campaign, folks. Mm -hmm. They say, okay, um, Gary Fay recommended me or whatever. Right. For example, Mick Price. Right. AJ Smith, whoever. These Correct. are some of our fans. They're, they're real people. And then whoever has the most referrals yes. wins not only an OVT. Right. Available on teespring.com slash OVP podcast. <laughs> you win a guest appearance on one of our future episodes. Yes, a big, big prize. Very big. So big. Yes. Huge, tremendous. Now, so, yes. there's also other places you can get us, but you can't leave reviews there, like Google Play Music. Yes, that's true. You can. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Stitcher. Yep. Blueberry. Yeah, like that crap. That crap. So you can go find us there, too. And various other places, I would say. Yes. Uh, one of which, of course, is the place to be nation. That is, I am 
been informed. The only place to be, Quinn, in it, it's it in your pop culture that's, world. That's Just it. Go there. Just don't go anywhere else. Don't go anywhere else on the internet. Only go there. Yeah. And if you go there, you'll see some stuff. And one of the things that's really good on there is a podcast called GF Allentown. Greetings from Allentown. Yes, on the pro wrestling only feed, I believe. That is correct. It's a pro wrestling only feed. And it's our friend, uh, the little brother of the show, Petey Winston. The incomparable Petey <laughs> Wilson. Winston. Good enough. Yeah. And he does a one-man show because there's just not two of him. Yes. So he only does one. One day he'll he'll just clone himself and yeah. then he can do the show with himself. Exactly. It'll be great. But for now, it's a one-man show and it's a great wrestling program where he reviews old wrestling but in a different style than we do. Yes. Because we can't all have a partner like Michael Quinn over here. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Michael Quinn, as we start uh, the show. Yes. We have a foundational series going on for season six. Yes. It is a foundational series for the modern era, we call it. Mm-hmm. And when we last left off, we were talking about how Bobby Backlund was still the world champion. Oh, yeah, ham. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ham. You know, it was like uh, we united together in there. But Vince Jr., who had purchased the company in 1982 from his dad. Oh, yeah, ham. Was definitely <laughs> looking for something new. And how ironic it would be. If that person had been someone that maybe his dad already knew. Aha. Uh-huh. But before we get to any of that, Quinn, Bob Backlund fought the Iron Sheik in Madison Square Garden on December 26, 1983. Yes. Backlund was the defending world champion. The World Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion, Bob Backlund. I would like you to explain real quick the Iron Sheik just as a thing. During this period of time. Basically, he was the evil foreigner character of the day. From Tehran, Iran, weighing 258 pounds, the Iron Sheik. Also, Iran, since around 1977, I believe, since the Iranian Revolution. Yep had been a hater of the United States. Yep. I believe they still are belligerent, belligerent, not as belligerent. No, not but, as bad. No, um, this was the height of it. And, you know, America had just come off the gas shortage because of Iran. And there was a hostage crisis so earlier in the 80s. So didn't like Iran. So the Iron Sheik, you know, was an Iranian. And yep. The came former out, Olympic athlete. Iran number one, like, you know, all that stuff. And USA hack to it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And of course, you probably know the Iron Sheik now is the guy that says fuck all the time on Twitter. Basically, and he doesn't YouTube. like Brian Blair. Brian Blair, you are another faggot son of a bitch. No good low life. He that really guy, doesn't like Brian Blair. He thinks he's like the Michael Jackson. <laughs> but there was a time before he was such a big joke, and 1983 was that time. Yeah, Because the all-American boy here, Bobby Backlund, you know, Mr. G. Golly, you yeah. know, from Minnesota, yeah. it's late 83 now. No we one are cares. On, <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Certainly not Vincent yeah. K. McMahon, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we are on the cusp of something new. But the best part of this whole thing, I have to say, Quint, is the Iron Sheik's manager... Yes, classy Freddie Blassie. And what did he go by under this? Uh, Ayatollah Blassie. <laughs> I just love that. Yeah, it is good. Here is the Ayatollah Blassie. I mean, that's a playoff, if you don't know, from the era, is the Ayatollah Khomeini was the big people didn't like him from Iran. Like, he was the leader of Iran. That's right. See, here on OVP, you get a slice of history as well. Yes. So as we head towards this match here, Backlund's the reigning champion. It's Madison Square Garden for their usual monthly show. Right. The day after Christmas, in this case. 1983. Mm-hmm. And what a Christmas gift here for the Iron Sheik. <laughs> yeah. Because these two go out of Apparently, the Sheik had injured, you know, in KFA Backlund's neck right. prior to the match. Oh, no! A Sheik attacking Backlund from behind! 
The Iron Sheik. Oh, what a kick in the back of the neck. Oh, again. Sheik gets his finisher, the camel clutch on Bobby Backlund. Right. Backlund doesn't give up, Quinn. What happens is Arnold Skolan, the yes. u- useless manager of yeah, Bob Backlund. One of the shareholders we talked about last month. That very last good week. point. Yeah. Very month. good point. He throws in the towel. Yes. And Backlund loses the world championship to the Iron Sheik. He's sitting right on that lower back. Is he ever pulling on it? Pull on it. And Backlund's got a bad neck. Pull on it. So heading into 1984 now, we have a new world champion for the first time in a long time since Backlund won the title from superstar Billy Graham in 1977, I believe. Yes. But let's backtrack a little bit, Michael Quinn. In Mm -hmm. the summer of 1983, the NWA, National Wrestling Alliance, as we've talked about last week, held their annual convention. You know, the men and the suits with the mahogany. And the cigars and all that crap. Probably drinking brown liquor. Yeah. The one where, like, Gorilla was there in, like, 1948, but it's, like, still... It's like that picture in The Shining. You know, when they, like, you know, just, like, Jack Nicholson was there all along. he was there all Yeah. It's like, that's the NWA convention. Well, at this 1983 edition, which, by the way, what the hell do they do with these things? Just get drunk, you think? It's probably get drunk, get hookers, something like like that. What would they really be doing? And saying, like, don't fuck with my territory yeah because like everyone's like giving their yearly yeah. warnings like don't you don't you fucking come over here right because no one liked each other these are old-timey wrestling promoters your wally carbos and your don owens God, and your wally carbo <laughs> and your sam muchnick yeah, like, wally carbo though he was awa oh you know a good point yeah. i didn't thank you very much quinn having to correct me <laughs> well, there that's from the awa dvd that's the only reason i know who the hell wally carbo is he's like i couldn't believe they were interviewing that guy i was like he's alive yeah, i know like, <laughs> Possibly, if Stanley Blackford could find some other drastic measures to get CD's uh, right to stay in line, he'll come up with it. So basically, Vince McMahon storms in. Yeah. At this convention in 83, he officially withdraws from the NWA. Yes, Once Vince McMahon Jr. Jr., yes. He's running things in his own company by this point. WWF officially out of the NWA. How do you envision that went? Vince McMahon got on the podium and was like, fuck you all, yeah. you're fired. No chance in yeah, hell played, yeah, yeah. right? It's like, and then he stormed off. <laughs> I'm out of here and you're yeah. fired. Yeah. And basically, Vince McMahon Jr.'s whole thing here was I'm going to take my company national. Screw the NWA. Yeah. This conglomerate of old, staunchy, cigar-y, you know, yeah. promoters. Well, also, his his territory was probably making a lot more money than the rest of them. Let's be honest here. Perhaps, maybe besides the Crockett's. From the New York? Yeah. Yeah. But during 1983, the Crockett's were doing very well. Right. I'm not saying, like, Vince was making the most, but enough to be like, oh, he yeah. didn't need this shit anymore. To have a serious shot at this. Yeah. But the Crockett's were about to put on something in November. Yes. The very first Starcade and Quinn. Yeah, something that's coming back soon, by the way. It is. And before there was ever a WrestleMania, Michael, mm-hmm. there was Starcade. Yes. The first, was it on pay-per-view, the first one? I don't know. I know it was on closed circuit, though. Okay. Well, whatever. It it's was the first a super card. Big super card event thing. And the main event there was the world champion, like we mentioned uh, last week, Harley Race. Harley Race. NWA world champion. Yeah. Facing Ric Flair. In a cage. The face of the 80s NWA, right? right. And this was, this was hyped to be Flair's big comeback after losing the title for the first time. Like, if yes. Flair won, he would be established. He would be the man. And he did win. Here's Flair up on the top rope. He's got him down. One, two, two three. three. He did it. 
He did it. And he was now the NWA World Champion going into 1984. However, Vince McMahon had a little something up his sleeve. You see, back in 1979, a young kid from Florida, Terry Jean Bollea. Yeah, Venice Beach. <laughs> a troubled, mi- a, a troubled yes. youth with the macho man. <laughs> a mixed beach there. Yeah. He came to the WWF as the Incredible Hulk Hogan Quinn. Yes. Hailing from Venice Beach, California... Weighing 320 pounds, the Incredible Hulk Hogan! He was something of an enigma for the time, although Billy Graham was there first doing the blonde muscle gimmick. Yeah, but Hulk was like bigger, I think. He like was as far actually bigger. Wise. Yes. And Hulk Hogan was part of Vince McMahon Sr.'s WWF yeah. in 1979-1980 and famously had a feud with Andre the Giant that wound up at Shea Stadium in 1980, Quinn. Right. This is a shining moment of glory, Hulk Hogan, I can tell you that. You give me that favor all the time. Can I ask you one favor? Yes. Why are we not going to ring right now? Well, I'll tell you. I don't want to, like, overhype it. It wasn't, right. like, the main event. No, like, it was people not. People were there to see Bruno beat the crap out, out of Larry, Larry Zbysko, Zbysko, which I would pay to see Larry Zbysko get the crap beat out of him, too. But <laughs> Any year. Yeah. <laughs> By anyone. Yeah. <laughs> but in terms of Hogan-Andre, this established Hulk Hogan for, for that period of time. All right, this is a newcomer on the scene. Right. This guy's new and exciting. Mm-hmm. Andre was a beloved and established figure, and they had a nice feud in 1980. Yeah, he was new, exciting. He wore a cape. Um, <laughs> he had classy Freddie Blassie to take his career right down the toilet. And and that he did in kayfabe anyway, because yeah. uh, Vince McMahon Sr., you know, we mentioned old time promoters. Right. He didn't like the idea of Hulk Hogan signing on to do a little movie called Rocky Three, Which is insane to me because wouldn't you take any opportunity to get like outside popularity or anything? Different mentality, I yeah. guess. Right, Quinn? Because back then that was kind of like a no-no. Vince Sr. was yeah. like, no, I'm, you're, you're gone. Yeah. And that was it. If you leave now, you're out. And Hogan was gone. Thunderlips is here in the flesh, baby. However, he cropped up a little bit later in Vern Gagne's American Wrestling Association. Yes, with Wally Carbo. With Wally Carbo. Yeah. And <laughs> you're not going to let that go, yeah. are you? <laughs> and uh, Hulk Hogan became a huge star for Vern Gagne there. I mean, right. really helped him out. But I mean, that didn't work out either. The problem was... As much as the fans wanted Hulk Hogan to be the world yes, champion. Yes, he was probably the most over thing that happened Oh my gosh, in a first step in shit there. Yeah. From Venice Beach, California! The incredible Hulk Hogan! Hogan! Vern wanted to split or take a huge cut of Hogan's merchandise. I mean, I've heard 70%, 80%, some ridiculous number. Like, he wanted right. pretty much all of Hulk's proceeds, and not, he didn't want to give any of it to Hulk. The guy, actually, who made his promotion exciting. <laughs> right. So after finally holding out, he does agree to make him champion, but with that caveat, right. Hogan says no. Hulk Hogan winds up leaving the AWA at the end of 1983, but he storms back into the WWF. A little-known fact, Quinn, and I don't even know if you knew this, the day or two after this Backland mm-hmm. title loss, Hogan made one house show appearance still as a heel 
and still oh, with really? Blassie. Yes, just huh. to reestablish him. Oh, okay, so the continuity that Blassie right. was still with him and crap like that. Yes, but early January 1984, Hogan returns and saves Bob Backlund from the Wild Samoans. Yes, a very famous episode of Championship Wrestling. Yep. Hulk Hogan makes the big save, and the crowd yep. in this tiny Allentown yes. is the loudest I've ever heard it in Allentown ever. Like, yeah. period. It's it never insane. was that loud ever. Oh, you gotta be kidding! You have gotta be kidding me! The incredible Hulk Hogan! Look at that! That's 300 pounds of all muscle in there right now! And basically, what we have here is Backland begrudgingly in real life, and I guess even in a kayfabe sense, passes the torch to Hogan because Backland is still selling injuries. Right. Backland was initially supposed to have his big rematch with the Iron Sheik, but they they had an injury angle going where the, there was like the week the before they were clutch. like, the doctors have yep. to approve it. And then you find out the next week and it's this big sad speech from yep. Bob Backland that he's not going to be able to rematch <laughs> him, but his friend or his yeah, friend. He endorses well, Hulk Hogan, basically. Yeah. Everybody knows the Hulk. He's changed his ways. He's a great man. He's told me he's not going to have Blasty around. I'm going to give him my hand and give him good luck. All right, Bob, you know something? I would like to thank Mr. Bob Backlund in the WWF for bringing the Hulkster back. Now, that fateful day of January 23rd, 1984, Quinn, Hulkamania is born. Now, we've talked about this before, but a quick recap. It's like a five-minute match, and they did it perfectly. The Iron Sheet gets a boner. He does. Yeah. Um, And they knew exactly what they were doing. And for all the hype, and I know everyone likes to say... How, you know, the, in the South, Southern Territories, all this money was made, Freebirds this, Ric Flair that, fine, have that, take it, love it, enjoy yeah. it. This is a huge moment for the World Wrestling Federation. Oh, yeah, and I mean, they would go on to play this pieces of this match on everything they did for, like, years. This is the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Quinn. Yeah, this is the big moment. This is it. This is the, like, this is the WWF as we know it coming of age. Yep. It's Hulk Hogan leg dro- powering out, I should say, of the camel clutch, right. the one that defeated Backlund. Right. Leg dropping the Sheik. Right. Winning the world title. Mm-hmm. Madison Square Garden goes nuts. Hulk Hogan, he drops the big leg on him. He's now for the cover of the leg. One, two, he got him. Now, wrestling immediately doesn't take off, Quinn, but right. what this leads to, you want to give a little, as we go from 84 and we hop to 85, 86, what happens in the World Wrestling Federation? What happens with wrestling here? So, there's a couple of key things here. The talent that comes in, a lot of it is from the AWA, Correct. where Hogan was. Yes. If you watch the AWA a year before Hogan came, it's basically the WWF. Jesse Ventura, Bobby Heenan, Ken Patera. Right. Uh, Roddy, Gene Okerlund. Is Roddy Piper there? NWA. No. Uh, he's an NWA. Yeah, Greg Valentine comes back Rick from Martel. NW, NWA. Yeah. yeah, Rick Martel. So, yeah, basically anybody that's anybody says, oh, there's shit going on over here. Let's go here. And Vince does that for about the next three years. Right. And we'll, we'll obviously cover more of that. But as far as the mainstream popularity, Quinn, it exploded in a way that it hadn't since those gorgeous George days that we mentioned. Right. And a couple things happened to establish that. Famously, Captain at Lou Albano meets uh, Cindy Lauper and her manager David Dick Wolf. Wolf or whatever David name, Wolf, Mister yes. Wolf, there or Wolf, <laughs> Big Bad Wolf. Yeah, meets Big Bad Wolf on a plane, and all of a sudden, now celebrities are showing up left and right on the program. Yes, and including the war to settle the score, the brawl to settle it all, or yes, whatever it was called. Uh, 
they get it on, they get a spot on MTV, MTV, which was the hotness of the 1980s. Right, exactly. So not only do you got the celebrities, the musicians, that kind of thing. Right. Things are coming together. Yep. It's not WrestleMania yet, but celebrities are showing up. There's sure. specials. Yep. They start to get offers from NBC to yes. bring wrestling back to national prime network time television. Network television. Yeah. So what happens? Basically, we all know WrestleMania. Not the first pay-per-view, no. Not the first Supercard, no. And it was held at MSG the way all of their house shows were. WrestleMania 1 looks like just the April MSG house show. It like really the does. way it's done. The and way I, it would have been done, yes. Yeah. However, it just you, says WrestleMania. <laughs> That's basically it. You've got Muhammad Ali there. Right. You've got Billy Martin there. You've got Liberace there. Cindy Lauper. And all this stuff. And what this leads to is Dick Ebersole and Vince McMahon striking up a partnership right. that led to Saturday night's main event. Every few months, a few times a year, mm-hmm. WWF would take Saturday Night Live's time slot. Right. Saturday Night Live would go on break, and it still does to this day. Yes. But they decided, hey, wrestling's really popular right now, and we want to keep the ratings up, so right. let's put WWF on that. Saturday night, main event. Welcome to, to the Sundome and beautiful Tampa, Florida. And man, what that did for Vince McMahon in terms of national exposure, mm-hmm. what that did in terms of television production, because Ebersol worked with him to really right. make this product larger than life. And this is the Hulkamania era we're focusing on right. here, this segment. Now, we can't get into too much detail, but in broad strokes, Quinn, what this era, about 84 towards the end of the 80s, encapsulates, and yeah. what, what happened here is huge television production improvements. Oh, my goodness. It, it, it looks like a real show. It's lit, like, bright. Bright, bright, super bright. Super bright. You can, the characters are large. Like, every character is larger than life. Everything is larger than life. It truly is a human cartoon at this point, as the right. 80s roll forward. And it's so popular. So popular. Everyone knows what the WWF is. The WWF is wrestling. Exactly. Hulk Hogan, a cultural icon by the end of the 80s. The merchandising through the roof, things you could have never imagined. Yeah, like, we all get that there's t-shirts. Of course, any promotion can have those. This is bigger than t-shirts. A cartoon show? Yes. Hulk Hogan had a cartoon series? Yeah, rock and wrestling. And who's the number one crook? We're gonna run out of town. Phelps! You got it, Daddy. Action figures? Mm Mm-hmm. Wrestling superstars and new wrestling ring, each sold separately from LJN. Bed sheets? Yeah, I mean, you name it, uh, like the Hulk Hogan, like, workout set, like, even the little stuff, like right. that, you know, cups, ice cream bars, like... Frisbees? Yeah. Like, Bandanas? Right, this is not... Wrestling was never like this. No. This is something I, I, else, and every kid knew what wrestling was, every parent knew what wrestling was. Yep. Single people, women, children, the men, old folks, old folks. It didn't matter who you were. Wrestling was a thing you watched. And even in passing, even if you didn't care, Meltzer was doing his thing out in California since the early 80s, late 70s, a match, you know, five star match yeah. and all this crap. The casual guy just knew that's Hulk Hogan, and I want to see him punch that guy. Right, That's exactly. all they cared about. Their crappy kid wanted the ice cream bar. You bought it for him, but you yeah. knew who Hulk Hogan was, and that is the Hulkamania era. All of this snowballs, and it grows. Yes, it to does. To a point when we were looking for the big match that would kind of encapsulate the era, and it all comes up around the time of WrestleMania three. Now, three years into this, like kind of fast forward a little bit. Exactly. So we've got Hogan-Andre, the biggest match to that point, one of the, if not the biggest matches in WWF. The biggest program, if you will. History, yes. Because what I mean by program, meaning like the Andre match 
not only brought them the biggest live crowd they would ever see, uh, you know, 93,000, whatever. Whatever the figure is whatever, here. Still, it was the biggest live crowd wrestling ever had. Absolutely. Not only that, a couple months later, they do it on national television in that slot that Ebersole provided for them. Yes. And it was the highest rated wrestling TV show ever. Ever. And that, of course, being February 1988's main event. This is right. now primetime. So we had the SNL slot. Yeah. Now Ebersole gives them this one hour primetime, Friday night, 8 o'clock. Yes. Wrestling? Yeah. <laughs> Are Andre you Hogan. Me? And the numbers that did. TV wise was insane for that unfathomable now. Yeah, that, what that, is it like a 15, 11, like something I like don't that? Know, something weird. Whatever it is, this little thing from that we talked about just a couple of years earlier, the Vince McMahon promotion that he bought from his dad. Yeah. It's amazing the vision that Vince McMahon had. Yes. Now, are we saying he had the most, you know, scrupulous business practices? No. No. Did he do everything? morally right no everyone but no and it promoter and did it, and it, we we're describing it wasn't a smooth road for vince no. I, there was a lot of confrontation in between and we don't have time to really it'll be later in go the, into yes. all of it today but later in the series the we will get is, into that a lot of work went into this a um, lot of backstabbing and uh, <laughs> by you know by 1987 1980 vince has hit the peak this is unthinkable only yeah. five years earlier. And the NWA is nowhere close to this. The NWA is nowhere close to this, but around this time in 1988, something very important is going to happen. Stay tuned next week. In the meantime, we'll be back right after this. Hey, B, no way a little dude like you is going to change oh, my ways. It's time you were tempted with a taste of nuts and honey. Hulk Hogan doesn't eat nuts and honey. Did you take this? an unbeatable part of this nutritious breakfast. That's better than a body slam. Undefeated. And he's still champion. It's a honey omelet. It's honey bacterios. From Harley Race to Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair to The Rock, Sting to Steve Austin, you're listening to our Vanish Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for episode number 52 here on Columbus Day, October 9th, 2017. Michael Quinn. Yes. It is now time for Mount Rushmore and Death Valley, where each week we have and still will continue to put four of the best of something onto Mount Rushmore, and four of the worst will go down into the desert of Death Valley. Quinn, we've got some fan requests pouring in and we're going to do one today yes this came from two people this came from two people like overwhelming you know yeah. majority here yeah. so we're obviously going to do this one and i suppose uh i'll introduce it yeah go ahead all right so this is from aj smith and colin middleton and they wanted us to do the mount rushmore and death valley of ring attire yes ring attire so that'll be interesting now we just want to put something out there. For this season, folks, Quinn and I know these topics ahead of time. We're not surprising each other. Yeah, not this time. Not this time because we're picking fan suggestions together. Right. And, <laughs> it, you know, it's time for a bit, bit of a change with it anyway. Yeah. I, I think the segment's grown to that point. Yes. Yeah. Quinn and I need to make sure we can do these so yeah. we do confer with each other. But anyway, AJ Smith and Colin Middleton both wanted us to talk about ring attire. Quinn, what, what do you think makes good or bad ring attire? I think... Good and bad ring attires. Either it stands out as like that's awesome, okay. or it stands out as this is hard. Like it's just a stand out kind of thing. Right. Like that's what ring attire is. It's supposed to make the wrestler seem unique. 
Sure. You know, and maybe like I, I think most ring attire makes a wrestler seem unique. So it's not a matter of like who's the most unique, but it's right. a matter of like what how is it done in the best way or okay. worst way? OK, now do we count stuff that they wear to the ring, too, you think? Yeah, we can count what they come to the ring with or okay. what they wrestle with. OK, fair enough. Or the overall look yeah. of both. Okay. Um, you want to start? Yeah, I'll start. Okay. Remember, we're not allowed to say pick stick anymore. Someone yeah. yelled at us on Facebook no for that. Stick. Quinn, I have the uh, choice. You have the voice. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to pick number one, Ravishing Rick Rude. Okay. Ravishing Rick Rude came to the ring typically with a robe on. Yes. Like a glittery, sparkly robe. And the robe is nice, but it's more about his actual tights. The airbrush tights that usually had something to do with either his current feud or a belt that he wanted. Yes. Or, you know, there was other times that maybe there was a lady on there in a very yes. suggestive area. I mean, he his tights were part of storyline. Like That's the whole weird, Cheryl Roberts on his, on his pelvis thing. <laughs> yes. Um, there was one time when he also put a Kathy Lee Gifford on his pelvis when he was on Regis and Kathy Lee. In 89 or 90, right? Yes, yes and there's a true. funny gif of him, like, exposing it and, like, <laughs> her, like, just, like, come, like walking off set, like, all appalled. Right. Right here. Go ahead. No! This one is for the Gifford. You know what? His tights were good, and the fact that they were long tights, I think that worked for him. Yes. No shirt, long tights. And, good look, you right? Know, it exposed his physique, which was one of his big attributes, too. His it all, it points, overall yeah. worked. The other thing I liked, like you said, with the belt thing. Yep. I loved how he incorporated the Intercontinental title onto his belt. Yep. Or onto his his waist, really. Yep. And um, it just, it made it like when he was the Intercontinental Champion, when he took his belt off, he was always the Intercontinental Champion. Yeah, like exactly. that kind of thing. And then even like, I think, did he at one point put the WWF belt on there when he was facing Warrior? I think he did in 1990, yeah. yes. Yeah, so that was always a cool thing a with one. Ravishing Rick Rude. I, I just thought he like stands out to me as a guy ring attire wise. Fair enough, I'm going to volley to you. Go ahead. Macho Man Randy Savage. Which one? <laughs> Fair question. 85 to 90, like the yes, 85 the, to 89. The classic Macho classic. Man, like the robes. Yes, short trunks. Short trunks. Multicolored, diff- you know, different colors each I time. I thought his robes were actually pretty cool oh, yeah. because um, early on he had a more, there was like an Asian flair to some of his robes. With the were, sticks. <laughs> yeah, that, those those are really cool. Yeah, the cape, the cape stick Like robes. dragons on them and stuff. I th- yes, you're like, right. Like that was cool. No, you're right. I think Savage's ring attire from... 85 and i know he was the macho man before that but yeah wwf okay from 85 to 89 before he switched to the long tights and then eventually yeah. the shirt and all that yeah his 80s attire is probably some of the best that might make classic mount rushmore the the uh yellow boots yes and yellow um the orange the, tights the yellow knee pads yeah and the orange trunks or the yeah. red trunks yeah classic With the stars on him macho mm-hmm. man that and version what was cool about his attire is he elizabeth would match him in certain occasions yes like wrestlemania 4 for example that's where the they biggest matched. that's the most prominent one but a lot of times she would just match him uh-huh. and i think that was almost part of his attire was what liz was wearing yeah, exactly. Like, she complimented him. Right. And it, it, that was just a cool aspect of the Machman. And also the goggles. Yes, the Randy Savage goggles that were like the ski goggles, essentially. They were awesome. They were. Yeah. And with the bandana over it, he just looked cool. He did. I agree with you. In the Tower of Power, too sweet to be sour. I'm funky like a monkey. Sky's the limit and space is the place. Anyone else we want to start considering here? I don't know if we have a, a first one yet. What I don't do you know. think? I, I really think Rude is like. Rude? I don't know. I never I, would have thought of Rude. Really? Really. Huh. I would have thought of Hogan. 
Yeah, Hogan. Hogan's ring attire is iconic because it, him ripping part of it off is, is in I, his whole appeal. I think it's iconic, but I almost think it's too basic because if we're talking ring attire, right? Yeah. We want like the most standout, the ones that are the most... I guess Hogan's is memorable, but... It is very memorable, Michael. Right, but does it stand out? Like I said, Rick Rude, like, where it's like, you think of the ring attire. Like, Hogan, I just think of the yellow orange and, goblin, Yeah, but though. you think yellow and red. Yeah. Yellow and red is symbolic of Hogan. I actually personally think that the NWO attire is cooler. Oh, come on, Hogan with pants... Yeah, but that that whole <laughs> no. thing is, is awesome. Like because he didn't wear the pants Ugh. before, and he's heel. So he, he air- puts on a pair of pants. Now he's a heel. No, no, no. But not only that, the airbrushed boots were cool. Those were cool. And that whole airbrush design he was rocking was actually kind of awesome. Like the the t shirt that was cut off on the sides, like it made him look more muscular. Like I just I don't know. And the black gloves. True. Like he looked awesome. I'll tell you what though. You know what really stands out for its period of time in WWF? What? Steve Austin. Yes. Stone Cold Steve Austin. That one's different from all of them because it's cool because it's basic. All black. All black. <laughs> There's nobody with, like only jobbers were that, right. but he wasn't a jobber. That was what was so interesting about him. And the idea that he didn't give a crap yep. only built into it. And also, he kind of had alternate ring attire because a lot of times we saw Austin, he was in his cutoff shorts. Yes, that's with true. With the Austin 316 shirt. <laughs> And yep. those boots. Yep. You're um, he right. remarked on those boots on a recent podcast. I forget. Somebody gave him an endorsement once and he turned it down because a business manager told him not to do it. Wait, really? Yes. Wow. The boots that he iconically would stomp a mud hole yeah, into yeah. everyone. He could have been. They were called high tech boots. That was the company that made them. Wow. He could have been the official sponsor and some doofus told him not to do it. That's stupid. Yeah. And he didn't know business yet. So he was like, he just believed him. Oh, man. Yeah. That doesn't sucks. that suck? Yeah. It sucks. I'd say he's up there. He has iconic ring gear. Yes, he does. Even though it's very, very basic. Oh, yeah. And the I, vest, too, that he wore down the, the vest, ring. The Austin 316 vest. What do you think? Is he a good number one? Mm, I don't know. What about this? Yeah. Jimmy Superfly Snooka. Well, I mean, he wore Steve Allen's wife's underpants. Right. But I I don't know. There's something <laughs> iconic about he was the only guy wearing leopard print. And like that was during it, that period it, of time. It fit yeah. the whole Fiji Island thing. I don't know. How how is Fiji and Leopard like synonymous? He just looks like Tarzan. He's not though. He isn't, but I you so know what, Tasmania. You know what I'm get. not putting that on Mount Rushmore. And he's barefoot. That's another aspect. I mean, I consider that all part of the attire, because you can choose to wear boots or not. I guess. <laughs> I guess you can, yes. I mean, we're talking about ring attire. Here. I Come know, on. I know, I know. I think we're for number one here, I've either got to go Hulk Hogan, yellow and red, Randy Savage, or Steve Austin. They're I got, all iconic. Sorry, I got one more. Go ahead. What about Roddy Piper? The kilt. The hot rod shirt. Yeah, but his in-ring gear is horrible. He just liked the crappy blue trunks. It was fine. I don't know. It wasn't know. fine. It was okay. Yeah, but you said that it counts what it they count. come to the ring. The kilt was very unique. The kilt was unique. The hot rod shirt is iconic. What about Superstar Graham? Superstar Billy Graham. Oh, yeah. Because he was the first. Before Hogan did the boas and the and the weightlifting pants and belt. Yeah. And before Scott Steiner did it as Big Papa Pump. Yep. And before Jesse Ventura did it. Yeah, I would say Billy, Billy Graham, Graham would definitely need to be... That put that him on the map. That would actually number one. Because that guy was like a pioneer with ring attire. The earrings. Yes. The bandanas. The tie-dye shirts. Yes. And you know who else was, too, and might also make it, in all seriousness? Gorgeous George. Maybe. Because he, took, he was the first flamboyant wrestler. What, are we going to put Farmer Burns on this, too? I don't think so. But Gorgeous <laughs> George... 
in all seriousness, came to the ring with like bouffants and just dresses sometimes. Right. Like, Very different from yes. anything that had ever happened. I mean, it inspired a Ric Flair. I also say it inspired the Adrian Adonis character. To an extent, perhaps, yeah, yes. The, the idea of the effeminate male. Adrian Street, probably, yeah. as well. Yeah. In all seriousness. Uh, the Boas. Can we safely put Billy Graham on, though, I for number one? I think we could safely put Graham in. Okay, so for number one, superstar Billy Graham. Wow, we that took a turn though back to the yeah. past, huh? Yeah. But I think that's fair. This about, is a situation where that's fair. Yes, go what ahead. What about the ultimate warrior? Now that is yeah. a complete look. You're right. That is a very good look. Now not not 1992 bodysuit muscles, right? No, no, no. I'm talking about the duster, the tassels, the tassels, the stuff on his trunks. Like I love his attire at seven, where the belt on the back, and it oh, says this duster, means yeah. more than this. Like means much more there, than this. Yeah, it, there was all this imagery with it, and like messages, like almost inspirational stuff. I also liked when he would have the body paint on his chest. True, and, and that the, was cool. And the face paint counts yeah. as part of the ring attire, right? Ultimate Warrior as a complete look. Now, I'm not a big fan of his, and but the look is the what look got him over. Is huge. Yeah. Hmm. That's a big one. The tassels. Who would have thought tassels? Well, because it made I mean, his, honestly, it made his his physique stand out. Right. Kerry Von Erich had the tassels too. He did, but he only had it around the legs, the feet, <laughs> which he came up a foot short. Yeah. Bit. Ultimate Warrior, though. Yeah, that's mm. a good. But okay, let's let's start to narrow down here. Right. Warrior or Randy Savage. Oh, that's a tough one. Or, I, or, I think they're on the same level. Okay. To be honest with you, either of them are Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold for his uniqueness to to be the basic bald headed. You could you always know, count on thing. him wearing that, right? And it was reliable, and it, it was just a it was a look for the time. It would never really work anymore. I don't know if the Warriors would either. Um, come I don't on, know, I could see somebody trying it. I yeah, the Young Bucks is rip off it, everything. Yeah, yeah, because it stands out. The True. Ultimate Warrior. He knew he was building like a brand, like unlike a lot of guys. Like, you know that, too, because he wanted the Warrior comics. And the True, Warrior. yeah. And his physique was part of his attire. Like, he was shredded. He was greasy. Like, I, <laughs> you know, like the whole idea that he was this modern-day warrior. Like today's Bonner. Tom Soy? Yeah, today's Tom Soy. <laughs> Exit the warrior, today's Tom Soy. He was like a space warrior or something. What well, about Ric Flair, I was though? just going to say, let's yeah. hold the phone here. Yeah. What about the Nature Boy Ric Flair? Now, I know he wasn't the first guy to ever wear robes. Yeah. But it doesn't mean you need to be the first to be the best. Here's the thing with Ric flair yeah not only does he have the ropes that exude this confidence this flamboyancy this this that thing that he's rich thing right yes but he played all the suits into his attire and he would yeah, talk about it yeah. and he would say my shoes are worth more than your house <laughs> my shoes cost more than your house he would come out every week and be like, I got a gold watch. It's worth $25,000. Yeah. You know, my, yeah. I, my suit is tailor-made head yep. to toe. Yep. The sunglasses yep. he would wear. Like, everything about Ric Flair's attire was his character. And Ric Flair would come out and brag about it. He's you're, one of the only guys who would brag about his attire. You're absolutely right. That played into it perfectly. And his robes are iconic. Yeah. I mean, so many different robes from the pink to the black to the green, the light blue, yeah. the purple. And his in-ring gear would always match whatever color the robe was. Yeah. And very basic, but it fit him perfectly. Trunks, yes. boots, knee pads. Well, his ring gear was cool, too, because when, you ha- when you're a rich guy character, right? Mm-hmm. You should be playing up the classiness. So he had the RF in script on the yes, corner. Yes, he did the script. Like, right. yeah, like, and, and that would play into the fact that when he was off days, he'd, you know, wear polo shirts and yep. khakis. And, yeah, that's very right, right. Yeah, like, it, you mm. know, like, he, he's just classy. 
Do we put him on, though? I don't know. I think I think he would have to be in there. I don't know that I ever looked at Ric Flair and went, wow, he looks cool. I think he looks cool. I love the idea of a guy that makes the preppy look look cool. I guess so. Like, he, he was, like, an icon as far as, like, people in the crowd were dressing like him. <sighs> I don't know, though, Quinn. I mean, Greg Valentine wore the same shit. Yeah, but he in his off days, he just looked like crap. When he was, like, doing <laughs> interviews, he looked like shit. Uh, He'd wear, like, Andre suits. He, he wore... Like, <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, Bret Hart? Bret Hart's another great one. I, I the, the jacket? I love the idea of the hitman, but he looks like a cooler version of it, like a boisterous, like the whole military getup because he's the a epaulets, hitman. Yeah, right. Yeah, like, that's, that's an awesome look. I always liked his boots, too. He had great boots. You know those were, like... If you really think about it, they're like World War One military style, like that white with the black on the bottom part. I wouldn't have ever thought of that, but that's a good point. It, it's yes. all a military look. The stars up the side, like right. he's got like a rank or something. Right, right. Um, the logo, like that German officer wow. thing. Like it's a whole, you can tell it's a whole military look. And his tights improved over the years, too. They yep. went from being like black with a pink stripe or pink with a black stripe. One of the things I also like that he did, he had a, a splatter pink yep, like yeah, on that there and that's the like a blood that's like a blood thing like a hitman yeah. shot, shot someone in the head the blood splatter that it's is a it's all subtle and it's what's interesting about it it's done on a wholesome character but you <laughs> don't true. know that right exactly hmm well we've got only superstar graham on there huh yeah i think it's time to start getting some more on there that we're confident are Here, gonna make it here's the other problem is i got one more for you go ahead sergeant slaughter uh, i mean it's fitting the character more than almost any yeah Maybe besides Doink. Sergeant Slaughter, yeah, Doink. But Sergeant Slaughter, because the hat, and it was early on, The other that's the other thing, 80. Sergeant Slaughter was doing that yeah, 80. early. Right. You know, the Marine Corps, him, he would come out right? to. That's and, true. You know, salute. It worked. He even worked his damn chin into the attire. <laughs> you know? Oh, man, Slaughter is a good one. Right, and that was coming off a full metal jacket. Mm-hmm, yeah. That whole, right. that whole look. Yeah, you're absolutely really right. really a, a cool look. Sergeant Slaughter did have great ring attire. Right. I'll give you that. Does Shawn Michaels belong on this or no? I mean, the cool part about Shawn is that the sexy boy thing, he really played into it. He got his attire in the right... I always liked that coat he had at the very beginning. His early 92 coat? Yeah. Yeah, I know the one you mean. And, and it was almost like a Brett Michaels kind of look. <laughs> like a, yeah. I'm a... Glam rock? Yeah, glam rock kind of thing. And I don't know. I... I like it in his character. It's not like it's like attractive or anything. No, like, it's I, not. But at least it fits the character. And it, it was unabashedly stupid, like with the sunglasses with the hearts on him. Like, I like that the character was unaware right. that he looked like an idiot. Right, like, right, right. He thought he was the coolest guy. He thought guy he looked ever. so cool, but he looked yeah. like a, even in the mid 90s, he looked really stupid. And it was actually ahead Leather of its cap. Yeah, it's ahead of its time, too, because it's, really? it, it, because it's kind of like risque, if you think about it. It's like a guy acting like sexual you know what i mean yes i don't know rick rude did that yeah rick rude kind of did it but Shawn michaels went like whole hog with it what about goldust goldust I, there's so many there's good a ones. lot yeah, the we're gonna goldust, have to really goldust is a fantastic one i mean just bizarre yeah goldust is great between the face paint the wig the bodysuit the bodysuit i think really put it over the top like who the hell was wearing a bodysuit like, like that, that especially especially like that because that was that was to really give you like an S and M kind of thing. Like you were like, "What is this guy into?" Like, yeah. yeah, you know. And he and he kind of acts 
female, but he does. He also acts really very androgynous. Yes, yeah, like he, he's all It'll over the all place. Fit into the character, and the Marlena thing really worked in it too because he's got a woman with him, but he acts like a lady. He's like, kissing guys, you know. It's guys. weird. It, it was it, very but, mysterious. And the ring attire, including the wig, he had a wig. He had a wig that he took off. That if you had never seen Goldust before, and you didn't know he was Dustin Rhodes, right? You would be. You would think it was his hair. Yeah. And he takes it off. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, how weird? I would like to put him on. You know what? Yeah. It was I, really unique for its time. I've never. Just like Billy Graham was really unique and yeah. ahead of its time. Goldust. And it fit all into the character. So for number two, Goldust. Yeah. Let's do Goldust. Goldust for number two. How about the Undertaker? Yeah, The Undertaker, like, another crazy, uh, revolutionary, the look. Yeah, because for 1990, especially, 91, all black with the gray boots. Yeah, you know, the gloves. And the gloves. The one thing The Undertaker did that was really special about him mm-hmm. is he wore eye makeup to look like he was actually an undead zombie. Yeah, he did that a little bit. Did he do that from the beginning? Yes. He did, even well, in the early days. I remember when he first yeah. took his hat off, yes. Gorilla remarks about, it looks like he hasn't slept in, in yes. weeks. you're like, right. Look at them I mean, he, the character... They played right into it. Superbly designed, whoever. Yep. You got to give a lot of credit to a lot of these ring attire. There's people that work for these companies, mm-hmm. you know, all these promotions yep. that were in charge of, like, the look. They would do sketches and things oh, like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, Definitely. The Undertaker, somebody put a lot of work... Into this. Into this. Like, this was not just a throwaway thing. No, and it always evolved. I mean, my, my least favorite version of the Mortician character, anyway, was probably the Purple Taker. Eh. I, I didn't never. Really, I think that was just a different color. Yeah, I was I didn't fine like with that. It, it was much. the same kind of thing. It didn't look as serious. I don't know. I like the 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 long stringy hair though, because it looked like an undead. Yeah, like it looked better actually than the mullet. You want to go with Undertaker? It's um, so unique. So is Kane. Kane. Early Kane, like ninety. Not, you know, to me, Kane's more of a rip off of okay. the Undertaker. Like the Undertaker is the Undertaker. I could put Undertaker on as number. What three. about Mankind though? And and Brown or Cactus Jack even Cactus Jack. Yeah. The wanted shirt and the yeah. flannel. Yeah. I love it. I love it too. It I just don't him. know if it's like on the list. It's not. It's like up there with like Sandman or something, you know, yeah. where it's like, okay. <laughs> Sandman's another yeah. good one because that, nobody was fucking doing that. Raven. Raven. Holy shit. Yeah, like, Raven's good. I still think Steve Austin deserves to be on this thing. I do too. And only because out of all of the guys, he's the only one that went for the basic look and made it work. Like yeah. he was ballsy enough to say, I don't need fancy tights, and the fans will love it. And they dug that he dressed that way. Yeah, and I don't doubt that Goldberg wouldn't have dressed like that if Austin hadn't first. No, no, you know? yeah. Even though they say he was a, a shamrock ripoff, you know? Yeah, the idea that he could look like a badass. Yeah. Austin for number yeah, three. Austin. It, I mean, the black trunks, the black boots, the Austin 316 vest or shirt. Yeah. That was late 90s. Mm-hmm. Number three, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Well, Michael, one more. What you, are we thinking? You said Goldberg, but you know what that reminds me of? Who yeah. I, I really like his attire. Yeah. I love Brock Lesnar's modern attire. Like, I really think he looks awesome. Like, the, I, I... The I, UFC shorts. It's something nobody really has ever done. The UFC, the full-on, the shoes he wears, like, the wrestling shoes. Like, he looks like he will kill you. He's got a sword on his chest. I mean, look at him. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, come on. Like, that. nobody's doing that. And nobody ever did anything like that. The Jimmy John, so he has, like, a sponsor. Like, he looks like he's a real fighter. Yeah. I don't know, though, Quinn. Hulk Hogan ripped off part of his attire, and that was part of his whole gimmick. I understand that, but it's so 
basic like if we're talking about ring attire like i think like rick rude is higher than that stands out more warrior yeah. stands out more yeah savage yeah the, these are guys that their ring attire was way more their thing like hulk hogan was about the talking and the charismaticness he could have worn anything like he wore white sometimes he like, did in the earlier days he wore yeah. the black Ooh. and white nwo yeah. like right I, I don't know like i love his nwo tights but i just I really think Rick Rude is like being overshadowed here because I, I I think he was a early guy who made a whole brand and look around his his attire. I think Ric Flair was even more that too. Yeah, and then there's one more we're forgetting in that same vein. What The Rock? The Rock? Yeah, because uh, all those shirts he used to wear as part of his, but that's not really in ring attire. Yeah, I think Flair. If we're gonna go for for a number four here, that's not Hulk Hogan. Flair it's had gotta a complete be Rick look Flair. that he talked about. And yes. Yeah, Ric Flair. The robes, Quinn. The robes. The and, robes. An honorable mention to Sergeant Slaughter, by the way. I mean, Absolutely. Yeah, Sergeant like, Slaughter. And there's so many good ones, but... Yeah. And did and, we not even put the Macho Man on? Like, no. Yeah, but it, Macho Man's is great, but... I love it, but uh, Flair. Flair's iconic. Yeah. Everything about him, his whole look was his character. All right, so for number four, Ric Flair. Yep. Well, that is our Mount Rushmore of ring attire. Uh, we will obviously do the worst now, Quinn, and I suppose I'll start with that. Yep. And I'm going to start, Quinn, with possibly the worst that I can think of anyway. Okay. Bastion Booger. You want to describe this thing? Strappy things over his fat and, like, yeah. gray. Gray. He looks like the State Puff Marshmallow Man or something. Like, Yeah. And, like, in the it's back... Disgusting. It was to make him look... As horrible as possible. Yes. So I guess it fit the gimmick, but here, here's the thing. No one wanted to look at that. <laughs> no one ever wanted to look at that. And the food yeah, drizzling, it, like just... greasy food drizzling down his hairy chest. Bastion booger, I guess. Take a look at this monster, would you? My goodness, he, no teeth. What a grotesque individual. It was awful. It's so bad that, like, I can't even make arguments against, like, anything there's, knocking. It's so disgusting. There's Joe. no justifying it. Yeah. It's not like, oh, that guy, I want him to lose. It's yeah. like, I want him to put clothes on. It's yeah. a different thing. Like, please go away. <laughs> please go Fuck away. Fuck you. Like, <laughs> I, I hate it. It's so bad, Joe. Are we die, die, die? I feel like we haven't even discussed it enough, but it's so <laughs> disgusting that I don't even want to discuss it anymore. Folks, obviously, this is an audio podcast, so I would advise you right now to go look up a picture of Bastion Booger Ugh. if you don't I know what he looks like. I advise you not to. I don't think it's good for your health to look at Bastion Booger. For number one, Bastion yes. Booger. Die, die, die. Okay, what do you got, Quinn? What about, this is a weird one. Sure. I didn't even mention this ever to you. Okay. What about PM News? Yo, baby, yo, baby, yo. Do you remember that guy? PN News. PN News. What did PM he news? wear, though? He wore, like, this neon green oh, God, like, yeah. attire, like, oh, like tights, but he was really fat. This was a rapper gimmick in WCW. Yeah. I don't know. Wasn't Mabel worse? I don't know, because, like, <laughs> PN News uh, is, like, it's more disgusting because it's tight. He did look really stupid. Yeah, and... I don't know. It's rap. Like you usually wear baggy clothes when you're a rapper, too. Not that, skin tight. Yeah, not jumpsuits or whatever. It was, it was awful. What about Jeff Jarrett and his strappy things? <laughs> I know you hate it a lot, but I don't think it's in the realm of like the worst thing ever. Okay, what like you- it's terrible, but it, it's not that bad. And he would improve his look over time anyway. That's true. What about Max Moon? <sighs> 
That was yeah, so stupid looking. It was stupid. He was. Uh, this is, folks, a, a blue neon costume with like circuit boards on it <laughs> and like a dangly mask <laughs> and a jetpack. Like, what was this? I don't know. It was like he was like plugging in in the Matrix or something. That was really bad. So was Battle Cat. I was going to say, Battle Cat is like the closest thing to that. Because he was a cat? <laughs> Which is stupid. But was he supposed to be like um, Tiger Mask or something? No, I guess. Battle Cat. Yeah, it, I it's get like, it. It's like I'm the baby saying, version of Tiger yeah, it's Mask. It's like the you know? shitty version. Nice arm ringer by Mr. Cat. Well, we know it's not Boss Man's mom. What's not Boss Man's mom? Battle Cat, because she'd be wrestling as Battle Swine. Please. Those are bad. There's so many horrible ones. Oh, how about our friend Giant Gonzalez? Yes, Giant Gonzalez in the bodysuit. Always a contender. You know what's worse? Like, there's other versions of that where he's, like, hairier or less hairier. Sometimes he has painted on hair. Sometimes there's real hair. (laughs) The one where he has, like, a hairy diaper practically on is, like, (laughs) the worst thing. Yeah, the hairy diaper. The worst thing I've ever seen. I would like to put that on because that is a horrible bodysuit. But I'm going to be specific and hairy diaper version okay. of Giant Gonzalez is the worst version. So for number two, Harry diaper version of Giant Gonzalez in his bodysuit. Die, die, die. Two down, two to go, it's Michael. So, why is it so easy? <laughs> what about uh, Big Daddy V, his fat straps? Anything ever that Mabel Viscera, whatever his real name is. Nelson Frazier. N- Nelson Frazier wore ever is horrible. Whether it be the Mabel like trash bag <laughs> thing with overalls um whether it be the time he knocked vivian over and yes. then became like a suave like yeah big uh what was it big it was daddy- just it was just still viscera at that but it wasn't big daddy v yet and he was still viscera but he wore pajamas he wore pajamas <laughs> whether it be just vis- viscera in general with the like shiny trash bag over like tight tights right the hefty bag right <laughs> whether whether it be big daddy v with the his boobs like his boob hanging straps, out yeah. mm-hmm. and terrible tattoos and his hair short and his eyes are weird right everything he ever wore was bad what about all these occupational wrestlers. Yes, we got to get into this because the goon. they're they're bad. The goon with the with the ice skates that aren't ice skates. First of all, why would you wear that from like a kayfabe rational any perspective at all? Like, what, ice I'm going to wrestle, so let me put myself at a disadvantage by like balancing <laughs> on like roller blades. I took the bl- the the blades off of you know the the wheels or yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's a good point. Like Duke Drozzy, right? Garbage man. Yeah. Why is he wearing his garbage man attire I to the ring? I will this. He was the only smart wrestler with his attire because of this one thing. What? The back support. He did have a back brace on, yeah. That I was will smart. say was that wise. when you're body slamming people, That's good. I, everyone should wear that. Yeah, too like, bad he never won any matches, yeah. really. Remember when he feuded with Triple H in like 96 yes. and no one remembers that because yeah. it was horrible and he had the haircut? Yeah. What about any like country boy hillbilly thing overall like uncle elmer well uncle elmer sucks but i don't know i don't think overalls i mean that that's okay don't you, you think you're okay with that i'm okay with overalls again you're wrestling why i don't because you like them <laughs> you feel man mountain dean used to wear them man mountain dean. what about man mountain rock he with the wwf guitar. oh my goodness <laughs> with the tie-dye jumpsuit yeah Ooh. The w and the WWF guitar yeah. is, is the main thing. Oh my goodness what gracious, a, that was bad. What about Aldo Montoya? 
you might we might have a winner here Quinn, because why did he wear a diaper on his head <laughs> it's like a backwards like you've heard of tiger mask this yeah. is diaper mask <laughs> it was more like um jock what strap a jock strap yeah he had a jock strap on his face why did he do that and then I don't he wore know. like guacamole pants with like yellow and red i always thought the idea of a portuguese man of war was the stupidest thing ever it was so stupid that i recall my dad laughing at just the mention of portuguese man of war Yes, like, I believe you've told me this. I, I don't know why. I don't know if that's like a historical thing like or something, but... Mr. Quinn, you know, thought that was very funny. Yeah, it, <laughs> it was. It was a big joke around our house. I think a man of war is a flower, actually, a Portuguese man of war. Is it? Or a fish. Is that like... It's like an oxymoron <laughs> or something? It's not even. It's just stupid. <laughs> I'm okay with putting that in because it was really bad. Aldo Montoya? I don't think it ranks up there high enough. Are okay. you sure? I don't know. I mean, what else what about, is really bad? I don't like Skinner, for example. Like, why? I think He's the way Shawn Michaels looks like that now. It's again, it's de- uh, stop. Uh, uh, it's just disgusting because he adds in that that oh, come tar on. crap he puts in his mouth. He's not. It's not tar. It's tobacco. He just but, looks like a jobber. Ooh, that's that should be an automatic disqualification. No, Skinner. What are you talking? At least he wore something unique. What about Big Bully Busick? You know yeah. why? You know what's the problem with Big Bully Busick? Everything. No, but. Here, his whole attire is a problem to me because he looks like the Bolsheviks just with a bowler hat on from Mr. Fuji. It's like he has Fuji's hat and like Boris Zukov and Nikolai Volkov's like attire. He's kind of cobbled together, isn't he? Yeah. And That's the not stupid bad. mustache, like Rick Rude, but like with the curly Q mustache. Can I just tell you, I think Bam Bam Bigelow's attire was dumb. Yes. I was going to. I. Mm. I, hate I, I used it. to think it yeah. was good. Yeah. The more I've thought about it, though, it, Bam Bam he, is an awesome wrestler with him. a shitty like attire. He's no, he, he his attire is notably stupid. Yeah, it's like just because right. you have the flames on your head doesn't mean you have to wear the flames every single area Inch on of your, your body. body. Yeah, it's stupid. But is he worse than Bundy? Because Bundy's doublet, you know, his okay. singlet with a double strap. I'll say ne- this about Bundy. Yeah, Bundy's attire, I'm fine with it in when he didn't have the eyebrows. When he did have the eyebrows. That's true. That's It ruins everything. But the, the attire is the same. Oh, Ahmed Johnson. Because his knee pads were the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. Remember his he, knee pads? I don't know. Remember Ahmed? I, I would say Ahmed's like non-wrestling attire was more questionable than his wrestling attire. <laughs> his like, imitation like uh, doink pants. Yeah. <laughs> whatever always, they were. Yeah, he'd always wear those weird pants and like those jackets like those bomber jackets. Oh, like, yeah. And they right, had the puffy jacket, right? shit on them. No, that's a good point. Yeah, that's way worse. Shoot. All right, well, what about Repo Man? He looked really stupid. He had, like, tire marks on Here's him. Here's the thing with the Repo Man. That You're always defending this. Boggled. No, I oh, didn't like it. Okay. It made him look smaller, and it was yeah, smash. It was smash. Like, he was a pretty big guy. Yeah, so I don't know how the hell they did pull that off. And he had, the like, the Lone Ranger mask, which Repo yeah. Men don't need to wear a mask. Yeah, like they're not—they're not villains. I got one for you, what? and it might, and we might finally get a person. Okay, that's in both Mount Rushmore and Death Valley. What seven? That Goldust thing where he was like in uh, WCW and he and he had the white face paint, like his whole, like even his head was painted white, and he had like the Undertaker hat on, and he looked like an idiot. Put everybody in here to take a good long look at this crap I'm in. I left the World Wrestling Federation for gimmicks like this. Yeah, but is that the worst? I mean, it was bad, yes. It's notable. Like, anytime I see, like, weird, like, attire pictures, they always show that seven thing. It's not worse than Glacier. 
I think it might be worse. Than it's Glacier. not worse than the Ding Dongs. They wore like a gold bodysuit. Well, here's the thing with the Ding Dongs. They were basically the conquistadors. That's not good either. Yeah. Uh, seven. I don't know. Seven. No one knows who Seven is. What about when Alex Wright became like Berlin? Berlin. It was okay. It wasn't that bad. His attire was weird. Oh, I got one. What? What was that guy? The the symphony with it's, he had a symphony with him. Uh, the, the, maestro. the maestro Bob Cobb. <laughs> you know the maestro. Why, Mister Maestro? The maestro Bob Cobb. All right, you want to put the maestro in? Why I do you want to put the maestro in? His puffy shirt. Okay. Yeah. The maestro. The puffy shirt. It didn't fit at all. He was horrible. He looked like a lady with that hair too. Yeah. Everything about him was shitty. Is he really the worst? He's up there. I don't know. I think seven's still worse. <sighs> fine. Seven for number yeah, three. Okay, that's, that's that, fine. The first ever person to be on both. Dustin Rhodes has made the best, and now he's going to make the worst as yeah. seven. Ugh. Die, die, die. You're, you're right. I mean, it's really bad. It's I'm not horrible. Gonna, uh, you're, you're right. Now, we have the giant Gonzalez, we have seven, and we have Bastion Booger. Yes. Mabel? Mm. The whole Mabel. The we, whole, we talked about the whole Mabel the thing. The whole thing with him. He's I don't know. Bad, is, there, is there any other people you can think of? That look really stupid wrestling or nonsensical wrestling attire. Yeah. What about when Owen Hart had the like danger danger signs? Uh, on him? Yeah. That was really honestly that was like a fall from grace <laughs> in terms of ring attire. That was really really stupid. Yeah, it was. I don't like that at all. It's very sad. That's actually one of my least favorite attires ever, just because it looked bad and because it like brought Owen down. Yeah. And then remember the time that guy made fun of it in DX he wore like actual tape. <laughs> Jason Sensation. Yeah. That was funny. And actually. Mizark. Yeah. <laughs> and that's another one. What the hell am I doing wearing this ridiculous outfit? <laughs> I look like a damn road sign. <laughs> what the hell am I? A school crossing? Ken Patera 1988 looks bad. Oh, Oof. Yeah, Ken Patera. Good lord. Yeah, he looks like Richard Simmons. We always say that. Should but we... is it the worst? Is it like so unabashedly stupid? <laughs> like, like what no. about Norman the Lunatic? Now that's Bastion Booger. Yes. Holy crap. Oh my god. Wow. Now can he go in twice? Is that is that against the rules? I don't know. Who makes the rules? We do. Oh, okay. Then you want to? I don't know. Let's 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 cut him a break, okay? Okay. Let's cut Norman the Lunatic a break what here. What about Tugboat? No, 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 no. Wait, wait. Okay. The uh, Shockmaster. Yep, that's it. Yep. Shockmaster. The shot because of the Stormtrooper helmet that was glittery. Yeah. The big woolly vest. The way he had to talk with like a weird. It was Ole Anderson talking yeah. for him. They call me the Shockmaster. He had jeans and no shirt. It looked like they didn't even try. He had like right. sneakers on and sweatpants. Right, yes. Yeah, it, it, it's, he's, he's in. The Shockmaster. Yeah, the Shockmaster. For number four. Yeah. Die, die, die. Trip, trip, trip. All right, well, thank you to Colin Middleton and A.J. Smith for the Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of Ring Attire. Of course, we have differing opinions, possibly, than you folks. Maybe we forgot stuff. Simply didn't think of it. There's a lot of ring attire. So let us know your thoughts. In fact, why don't you tweet it at us, a picture of it, or put it on our Facebook group. You can do that by reaching us at OVP Podcast on the Twitter. Join the group. Email us at ovppodcast at gmail.com. Quinn, when we come back, we're pulling out some lighting equipment here because we are reviewing something. Yes, we are. Back after this. After a hard day at the office, working up a big thirst, many professionals reach for the smooth taste of Mellow Yellow. Woo, baby! Mellow Yellow, the taste that beats Mountain Dew. 
And now, Mellow Yellow has pictures and all the facts on your favorite NWA wrestlers. Ric Flair, Sting, the Road Warriors, and even my pretty face. Head to your favorite store and collect all 12. Woo! Take it for Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream. Make the Mellow Yellow move. Hello, wrestling fans. Joe and Quinn here interrupting this commercial break to give you a very important announcement. As of next week's episode, Quinn, we will no longer be with the Place to Be Nation. The time has come. The time has come. Yes, and we're uh, very thankful for our time there. Nothing but good thoughts about those guys and very appreciative that they've taken us on for all of 2017 so far. Yes, thank you so much to the Place to Be Nation. Yes, but as of October 16th, that'll be our last episode. And after that, we will only be available on our own feed. So... This message is basically to inform you that if you only listen to us right now on the Place to Be Nation feed, you have another two weeks to switch over to our very own feed, Quinn. Yes, you can find it over on Apple Podcasts. Type in our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. We'll be right there. You can find us Google Play Music, Stitcher, you know, all the normal places you can find podcasts. You just look for us and you will find us. Exactly. So... Again, a big thank you to The Place to Be Nation. Next week's episode will be our last there, so make sure you switch over. If you still love listening to our show, you can listen to it on our very own feed. Yes. Let's take it to Sean Mooney. Hey, it's Sean Mooney. I may no longer be in the event center, but if I was, I'd be talking about our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. All right, boys, let's get to it. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Quinn, we are reviewing something. Yes, we are. This is unfortunate. Yes. <laughs> now, folks, this is WWF Spotlight. If you've never heard of that, you're not alone, I bet. <laughs> it's like the Z-tier show. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. If Superstars is A, right? Yeah. Challenge was B. Right. Primetime was maybe C because it wasn't really important. Yeah. This isn't even in the alphabet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what this is. This is like... Alpha. Yeah, you need to draw pictures. Zeta. This is is not even on the periodic table of the elements. Yeah. Spotlight, though, in all seriousness, well, as serious as you could be with professional wrestling, (laughs) I suppose, was really their C level syndicated show in terms of importance. And you could tell. (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah, you could tell with this crap. This show is so bad that, like, we didn't even get it in our markets. And to, to be fair here, it ran from 86. Mm-hmm. To 95. 86 to 95. That's freaking insane. Nine years. What's crazy is that we were watching wrestling by then and we didn't even know it existed. Right. We did not have it. We had yeah. we had superstars and sometimes challenge. I like guess. occasionally. Yeah. But we never had spotlight. Never ever. And I can see why we did not have spotlight. I'm why glad New York? We didn't. Yeah, I'm glad too. I would have wasted a lot of time watching this. We probably would have watched it every week and been disappointed every week. Uh, yes, I believe yeah. so, Quinn. So from WWF Spotlight, August 4th, 1990, we're, we're just weeks away now from SummerSlam 90. Exciting. Very exciting. We'll mm-hmm. find out a lot about that card. We open Quinn with the crappy sax <laughs> theme. It's basically the intro to Superstars, like when it first was Superstars, when yes. it had like the um, the motion picture tape. Yes, and also the WrestleMania video game for Nintendo. Right. And we are hosted by... Ian Mooney. Yes. <laughs> and not Sean. No, not no, the, no, no. Not the man that was on this show. Hi, everybody. I'm Ian Mooney. Welcome to WWF Wrestling Spotlight. 
And as we asked Sean about what the deal was with Ian, apparently there was different coats and hair or something. His hair was slicked back. He nope. still has the comeback hair here. He does. And he's got an empty chair next to him because apparently hmm. what they were doing during this period of time was a series of guest hosts. Uh, Ian Mooney would make his last appearance, by the way, Quinn. In May of 91. That's crazy. I had, the Ian Mooney character existed that long. I know. But uh, unfortunately, his guest here is Tugboat. Now. Not the Shockmaster. Not the Shockmaster. The, the not tugboat. Typhoon. He comes out with his music. And it's a whole so loud. And a Hulk Hogan wrestling buddy. Yeah. And you said to me, Quinn, we don't want to see Tugboat. I don't want I don't want to ever see Tugboat on anything. What is this character anyway, Joe? Like, seriously, does is it he just drives tugboats all day? Like, what the hell is he? I think he is a tugboat. What? I think that's right. Or is Does he a, somebody ride him? Is like, he a sailor or is he a tugboat? Because if he's a sailor, he why is a, his name tugboat? He isn't shaped like a tugboat. Like what, he, he's he wears kinda, the hat. Like a tugboat doesn't wear the sailor hat or talk. Right. So a sailor wears a sailor hat, but happens to be named. Oh, it's like a nickname. I think a tu- it's a nickname. I think I've seen Disney cartoon or two where a tugboat talked. Yeah, you think yeah. so? Well, this is unfortunate. I wish this tugboat didn't talk. They talk about. Hulk Hogan, because mm-hmm. that's literally the only relevance that Tugboat ever had is talking about Hulk Hogan. He's a waste of space. <laughs> like He sucks in all of wrestling. He might be one of the worst people in wrestling. I can't believe we forgot him on the yeah. worst WWF wrestlers. Yes, but, but I would say there's he, hope he's, for him one, yet. he's the worst WCW wrestler, <laughs> yeah, exactly. maybe. Now, did anyone even watch this show? Like, seriously. I, I don't I know. I just want to know. I don't know if they were able to watch this show. <laughs> they might just... have had to get on a tugboat to go find it. <laughs> so they bring up, of course, Earthquake and Dino Bravo. Uh, and then we throw to Jake Roberts versus some doughy guy in a burnt orange Andre singlet. Basically in a match where you know that somebody's getting their ass DDT'd and it's not Jake Roberts. Correct. And it's a, a challenge uh, match here. It's Gorilla and Heenan on commentary. Yep. This is what we call here in the industry a squash match. <laughs> yes, a big old squash match. And I mean, it was good because it only lasted like two minutes or something. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jake uh, has blue tights. He punches a lot. I don't know who the ref is, by the way. Seriously, though, who watched this show? <laughs> they're recapping a B show. It's basically Jake wrestled this week. Like, <laughs> that's like what they're saying, right? Yeah, that's all they're saying here, Joe. I mean, I, and the, Jake's probably one of the more prominent people that wrestled between the A and B show. Right, right. So they were like, hey, Jake did something. Let's watch it. <laughs> Short arm clothesline, DDT, Jake. Jake pins him with one finger. Goodbye. Then we clip to yay Hogan's big return or some crap from Saturday and Night's main event Joe, in July. He already looks like assy, like ticker tape parade in yeah, '93. Hulk Quinn. Hogan here after WrestleMania six. It was all downhill for Hogan's face, <laughs> yeah. and personality. Apparently, I mean, he did everything but give the thumbs up here. He, you're right. Yeah. Every other trademark and hallmark is there. Yeah. So Vince is in the ring to interview the Hawkster here, and you said to me, Vince has Ian Mooney. Yeah, here. he's very. It's all slick back, and he is so damn proud Ugh, that he's like, got Hogan back. He's like, oh. Time to make more money. Now, by the way, who's the world champion at this time? Ultimate Warrior. Okay. So Hogan says thank you to all the Hulkamaniacs for helping him not get dead by Earthquake. Thank you to each and every one of those Hulkamaniacs that are in these seats tonight. Mm -hmm. And you said to me, Quinn, he wasn't even really injured. Can he just wrestle? Yes. (laughs) Why do we need to hear him talk? He's only been gone like three months. Yeah. Like, who gives a shit? (laughs) Like, couldn't they just say, like, he took a break to make a movie because he's already we know he makes movies and it's coming out anyway right when the hell would he have filmed it right exactly <laughs> they just say hulkster's making a movie that's it now he's back no right into the hulk <laughs> like tell him how much you love him and hug his 
beanie baby buddy or whatever that thing was that tugboat was holding uh, he does say he's gonna answer every single card and letter that he got and that's probably never happened <laughs> like i guarantee you that never happened why is this being replayed did anyone watch spotlight i guess not hulk says i, I don't know joe <laughs> i don't know i don't know hulk says the vitamins helped him yeah you mean steroids <laughs> Ridiculous. Then, of course, Vince mentions how Dino Bravo will be in Earthquake's corner at SummerSlam. Who cares? <laughs> enough with Dino Bravo. Enough. I've had enough of Dino Bravo for one lifetime. How the hell, Joe? We watched this. We did not expect no, right. to get more Dino no. Bravo. I swear, folks, we never wanted to talk about him again. We meant for our last time we talked about him. The why did they bother Dino Bravo? We meant for that to be it. He's unavoidable. Like I don't know In how. To, I don't know how to get away from this man. It's ridiculous. And they don't know how to get away from Hogan because Earthquake Bravo and Jimmy Hart charge out, and Hogan swings his weightlifting belt at them. Well, if he doesn't have the Macho Man to help him, what? He's like a loser now? <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. Yeah. By himself with a yeah. belt. But of course, Fat Tug here runs out and he just sucks. And then I said to you, if Teddy Long was here, <laughs> he'd be like, play a, play a, play a straight up tag team match. But he's not here yet, so there is no straight up tag team match. It's very sad. He's over in the NWA. Yeah. Jimmy Hart, by the way, is awesome. He's like managing the run-in with the yeah. megaphone. It's he's funny. Like, get him! Get him! Yeah, he's like, like the managing. <laughs> then... And I'm not making this up, and we it's did not plan for unbelievable. this. This is a random spotlight pick. Like, yeah. literally, Quinn and I were just like, you know what we haven't watched yet? Spotlight. Right. We cut to a Dino Bravo squash. Mm. They don't say who he's facing, but I swear he's wearing <laughs> Bret Hart's 1986 attire. It's amazing. The blue like, stripe. It's, it's exactly the same. It, even the boots. Yeah. He's got the boots. Everything Bret Hart. It looks like Bret saw him in the back, <laughs> and maybe he had just like jeans, and he didn't have a tire because he's just a jobber, and he said, here you go, kid. You know, back in, in the 70s, when I was wrestling, they wanted me to be a cowboy. Earl Hebner is the ref, and... And we, of course, have to have, during a Dino Bravo squash match, an insert promo with Dino Bravo. No. <laughs> just no. Enough. No more Dino Bravo ever. Like, I'm proposing that whenever we run into a Dino Bravo thing from now, we just skip it. Fine. Yeah. Will he get the uh, the Chris B treatment? Yes. He should. From yeah. now on, he should get that. Yeah, so I'm going to say his name, and you're going to edit it. Dino Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, airplane spin by Bravo into a side suplex for the win. Awful. Awful. Just terrible. Just never again, please. So we get the event center with Sean Mooney, and I actually found something out very interesting today, uh, yes. Quinn. You and I both did. So Quinn and I were watching this, and we were looking at the control room, and I was like, you know what, Quinn? I'm not sure, but I think that control room... And forgive us if you knew this, okay? Yeah. We didn't. I think that control room is a green screen, and Quinn's like, no, I don't think so. That I'm like, yeah, you might be this right. This is one of the better green screens they've ever done, because I never could ever tell. Like, Seriously. This one looks... And why would they? Because it's filmed in Stanford anyway. The control room is there. Why not just put a fucking table in there and have Sean Mooney in front of it? Right, because Gene was really in that control room. Right. I think. <laughs> I, well, now I don't know. Well, he was, because he interacted with the people Well, tell there. the fans why we know now. I uh, messaged Mooney... And he got back to us, and he's like, yep, it was a green screen, and the background was on a loop. Unbelievable. I like, actually I really didn't know that. I thought that that was not a green screen, uh, and usually we can tell. Yeah, I know. 
That's so, crazy. Shame on us. Maybe yeah. you learned something. Maybe you knew that and we're stupid. But anyway, well, he's yeah. More importantly, we got some matches at the Boston oh. Garden coming up. Joe. October eighteenth. You better be there because we got Nikolai Volkov versus Boris Zukov. Yes, that's right. The Bolsheviks explode. Yeah. And here's a weird thing about this show. Go ahead. Boris Zukov should be the face here because he's not the one who betrayed his country and like went to another country. You know what? He has the right to be a communist. Still, the yeah. USSR is still a thing. He was born a communist, like, <laughs> and he's sticking with it hey you're, you have a valid point yeah. not that we endorse communism but we I endorse ex- i endorse loyalty patriotism <laughs> yeah the hearts and duggan versus demolition <sighs> you know what that means quinn for demolition fucking crush fucking crush i'll we'll get into him later yeah hillbilly jim versus hercules great <laughs> dusty and sapphire versus savage and sherry with brother love in their corner now you never know if that's just the match they film where brother love actually wrestled mm. I've seen this mentioned on other, like, shows we've watched. Yes. And, like, I'm never sure if this is that weird match from, like, Coliseum Video where... Sherry's in a dress. Sherry wrestling in a dress and Gorilla's (laughs) upset about it and Brother Love wrestling in the white suit. It's awesome. Yeah. And then Rick Martell shows off his new, like, perfume bottle. You know, I always say packaging is everything. Just, for instance, take a look at this beautiful designer bottle here. It's not yeah. the arrogance atomizer. It's like a Japanese urn it's or something. Re- like it's, it's like, this really is so weird. Good. This yeah. is such a good thing. And behind him is like a trapper keeper background. Yeah, or Lisa Frank design <laughs> in the background. It's really weird, actually. And then we get a hillbilly Jim promo. Really, hillbilly, hillbilly Jim, Jim could have been good, as we've discussed on the boards. Yeah, if he wasn't playing that character, they should have made him yes. like Southern Justice. You know, he played a character before this Quinn in the uh, wherever promotion he was territory World Hillbilly Federation. He or was something. no, he. Was was named Harley Davidson, and he did a biker gimmick. He could have done that. Yeah, that I know. would be fine also. I know. He lo- he's big. Like, this is a, he's big, a big guy. guy. He's intimidating. Yep. So, honestly, you better get to that Boston Garden show. Just get there. You better fucking get there. <laughs> SummerSlam update with Gene Okerlund and Quinn. You better get to that fucking show, too, because that's, <laughs> a, that's a big deal. But, Quinn, it's only available on a pay-per-view basis. What was all the, the deal with the basis thing? What I, did they, I don't know. What kind of basis? Pay-per-view. Why not it just you have to order it on pay-per-view? Like what <laughs> what what is this basis? I don't know, maybe Vince thought it sounded good. I guess. Anyway, they run down the card. Hogan Earthquake. Cool. Rude Warrior for the world title in a cage. Might I, might I add they make the warrior look so much cooler in the picture than Rick Rude. Yeah, Rude looks like a doofus in yeah. this picture. The Hearts versus the Demos for the tag titles. Yep. Perfect versus Mystery Man because B- Beefcake's face was broken. Yeah, Mystery Foot. More like <laughs> Jake and Bad News in a match that Quinn forgot ever happened. <laughs> yeah, I really thought that that was like canceled or something. <laughs> it was so unimportant yeah. that it, everyone forgets I it happened. Bad News quit by that point. No, he left in October, I think. Boss okay. Man's a special ref, by the way, yep. for that. Savage versus Dusty where Dusty just gets his ass kicked. <laughs> Amazing. It's like, really that's funny. such a weird thing. Sapphire versus Sherry. Now, that didn't happen. Yeah, and Sherry wrestled in the cat dress Yeah, or she was a cat. Yeah. She was a witch in 89. She was a cat in 1990. Right. Very strange. And the Rockers, of course, versus Power and Glory in a great match because Power and Glory win. Yeah, but like it's also them. that match where, like, Michaels. Sean gets killed or something at the beginning, and they're, like, take carting him away. I love that match, and so does all of the Philadelphia Spectrum, because they're cheering power and glory for the win. Boo. Now, Quinn, did you know, because I don't know if this has been established yet on the show, know. that the <laughs> was in Earthquake's corner? <laughs> Fuck. No more. Enough. How about a promo with Earthquake and no. No! How about Hogan and Tugger rebutting? No! I have a direct quote from Hulk Hogan. This is great. This is amazing, and I will cut it in. As we stood on the bottom of the ocean floor, oh, God. we hung <laughs> and bung 
for 12 hours, man. As we stood on the bottom of the ocean floor, we hung and bung for 12 straight hours, man. Like, is this like the time Hogan was clinically dead on Baywatch? Maybe. Oh, this explains why he survived on the Wave Baywatch. Runner. Yeah, yeah you're right. Because remember, because he was underwater for like 20 minutes or something. Now, Hogan has a lot of experience with the ocean floor. I'm so- starting to sound like Petey because he slammed Andre and all of his other opponents to the ocean floor at WrestleMania right, 4. And he saved Donald Trump right. and his family. Thank God Donald Trump's a Hulkamaniac, obviously. Right. That's why we have like Ivanka and all that because yeah. it was all Hulk Hogan. To this day. Yeah. It's huge. So I'll give Hogan credit for this, though, Quinn. No one can cut a promo like that. I mean, it's insane. To use the word bung. I don't know if anyone would want to cut a promo like that. There's only one Hulk Hogan, I'll tell you that much. Tugboat has the absolute truth, though. The line of the show, Quinn. Yes, this is good. I can't believe how stupid these people are. I can't believe how stupid these people are. (laughs) I agree, is stupid. Yes, I agree too. We finally talk about the actual, you know, world champion. Remember him, <laughs> the Ultimate Warrior. Okay, this is where I say to you. Yes, I'm starting to think. Yep, go ahead. Like that, the Ultimate Warrior failing had nothing really to do with the Ultimate Warrior as much as the push itself, because they clearly don't give a shit about the Ultimate Warrior. They're not even trying. You are correct about that. In the same vein, though, the Ultimate Warrior was not Hulk Hogan. He wasn't, but uh, come on, you could at least make a fair attempt. You're like, right. Hulk Hogan had like kids like yes. running up to his bike and you're like right, all this right. bullshit, yep. and they the, all these vignettes and letter stuff. writing campaigns. Yeah. Get well soon, Hulk. All this shit. It's ridiculous. They didn't give the Warrior a chance. They really didn't. Again, he wasn't going to be as good as Hogan We're ever. We're like three months removed from WrestleMania. Yeah, like, right. come on. And all Warriors doing is fight Haku on Saturday Night's and, main event and, and, and shit like that. Being that, like, vi- music video fighting <laughs> the chicken. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. Isn't that a Phil Collins thing? Phil Collins re- dressed up as a chicken fighting the Ultimate Warrior. That's really going to get him over. Nothing says 1990 like that statement, though. Yeah. Phil Collins, chicken, Ultimate Warrior music video. Yeah. <laughs> was Andrew Dice Clay there? I feel That'll like really that was the home. extent that they pushed the Ultimate <laughs> Warrior. <laughs> well, anyway, we get a promo from um, Rick Rude and Bobby Heenan. Now, Rick Rude Quinn is hanging <laughs> down from a piece of the steel cage. This is weird. Yeah. And it, it really reminds me of the time that Sherry Zeus yes. and... Uh, Macho Man were going crazy. Yes, and Sherry's like every, climbing the yeah, cage. Yeah, everyone's always trying to do something crazy with the cage. So Rick Rude decides he's going to hang upside down and Bobby's going to be like confused about it or something. It's great. A few weeks ago, we posted a picture of it, actually. Yeah, it's really good. It's because it's very, very funny. So Warrior has his short hair and nifty headband and he cuts a promo about boundaries and limitations and i have to say quinn this is the area where warrior or the era where warrior looked like he was in a glam metal band yeah he looked like brett michaels he had or, an earring yeah earring i don't the casual I that was face like, paint yeah i thought that was his like off day attire you don't want to put all that face paint on but hell true. you gotta have some face paint you're warrior <laughs> It's true. And then we cut to the weirdest fucking thing I've ever seen for August of 1990, and that is Ronnie Garvin and some jobber versus Rhythm and Blues. Who ever wanted to see this? This is like a Coliseum video fan request where you're like, (sighs) what? And not only that, we're joined in progress. Thankfully. We have Lord Hayes and Mooney. This so this must be like a primetime rip or an all American exclusive well, Eurosport on the top. Yeah, corner. I don't know. This this show got cobbled together. Yeah. Rhythm and Blues though, Quinn, was shit, you said. Oh, they sucked. I mean, <laughs> this was first of all, this is what dragged Greg Valentine down to like the depths. Like yeah. he could have been saved in eighty nine. 
Yeah, but maybe. this is what killed him. And you all know my thoughts on Honky Tonk Man. If you haven't been listening, well, I don't, Honky Tonk I don't was like already him. done by this. He point. was done by '88, man. Yeah. Honestly, by '88, he. I cannot believe he's still here two years after. What 88. a waste of space! This whole thing is a waste of space. Yeah. Did we really though need not only Dino Bravo, but did we need Ronnie Garvin as a jobber? And Ronnie Dino Garvin, Bravo on the same show? I don't get how they signed this guy. Let me explain something here. Go ahead. Ronnie Garvin in, I believe, 1987 was the world heavyweight champion in, in the National Wrestling Alliance, not in JCP. Uh, yeah, he, won the, he was the world did, champion of wrestling. What did they tell him? To sign him, because immediately he's in a shitty feud with Greg Valentine. Right. And then he gets, like, demoted to a ref or something. Yes. And then he comes back and he's a jobber. Yes. Like, what the fuck? Like, what is this? Maybe they told him you'll make more money than you did in NWA. They must have paid him well, because why would you take this downgrade? You know, I actually have no idea what they told him to hire. Maybe he was just done with Crockett and NWA I mean, and wanted to move on. what did you say? On. He was, like, 43 or something? Maybe he was just... Look- 45. Maybe he was just looking to cushion his, like, retirement fund or something. It's possible. So you said to me, this sucks. Why did they think this was a good idea? I guess because, like, Greg Valentine and Garvin were going to see each oh, other. Yeah, for old time's sake. Yeah, they start fighting. This was bizarre, Quinn. The jobber got the hot tag. Yeah, not very, Garvin. very weird. Like, it's essentially like he makes a hot tag to sacrifice the jobber so Garvin yeah. doesn't get pinned. Right, exactly. Yeah. What did we wander into? I can't even <laughs> explain how long this match feels. It's so long. And then Rhythm and Blues do get the win after some garbage finisher. Like, yeah. even Jimmy Hart's not excited. Nobody's excited. Honky's singing hunka hunka honky love into the mic. Valentine's pretending to play guitar yeah. as they leave. And you God. said this is the dumbest thing they've ever done. It's stupid. Running Garvin and Anderson. And now they're going to be subjected besides having to take the loss. Now, back to Ian Mooney and Tugboat talking about who else but Hulk Hogan. Now, if you noticed... Ian mentioned Hunka Hunka Love, like he talked about it, like he was talking about it at WrestleMania six, like right <laughs> afterwards. But it's Ian, so it's, it's Ian. not it's not Sean. Good it's point. not Sean who's the biggest Mary Richards fan in the world. She'll always be Mary Richards to me. Yeah. Now, Quinn, you had a very, very important question for me. Yeah, let me, about- let me ask this question. What adult human being carries along a puffy doll of Hulk Hogan and like clutches it for an hour? I think that about says it all. Now we've yeah. talked about Hogan cronies, right? Mm-hmm. Your uh, nasty boys, yeah. Your Jim Duggins, yes. Your Brutus Beefcakes, right? Or but in Brutus ter- Beefcake, Brutus Beefcake. Yeah. In terms of on-screen cronyism, though, Tugboat might take the cake or eat the cake. He I'm not might. sure which one. I don't know. Brian Knobs is like yeah, the ultra bad. crony, but you're right. You're right. And Honky's a pretty big crony too. He is. Yeah. 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 Get a weird feeling with that. That's anyway, a, you know what? This what? show is full of Hogan, Hogan cronies. cronies. Like Honky Tonk. Bravo. Bravo. Just get out of here. Yeah, enough. Brother Love Show from Superstars with LOD. He calls them imposters. And Quinn, you said you. Yeah, I have I, I have a question for you. Do you think Conrad Thompson was like peeking through the curtain? It's like his meal ticket, Bruce Pritchard doing the interview. <laughs> mm, this isn't a good thing here. Mortgages. So anyway, LOD comes out with like their beta prototype music. Weird. It, it sounds like Iron Man, which was yeah, their which music. was their yeah. NWA yeah. music. Oh yeah, Jesse, take a look at Animal and Hawk. yells this blows hawk doesn't even say well yeah that was disappointing and what did demolition ever do to these guys (laughs) 
Like, what the fuck? Like, I've had enough of them, and they've been here for five minutes. Like, they're really new. I know, you're right. And, like, they're picking a fight with Demolition. Demolition didn't say anything to these people. You're right. They come in, and they're like, fuck you, Demolition, (laughs) we're gonna kill you. But nothing they say matters. Then this match ends. Then, of course, we have to see Demolition versus some jobbers. But, of course, it is the Smash and Crush version. Mm. And, of course, Quinn, you had a great question about Axe and his shellfish allergy or whatever this is (laughs) supposed to be. Nothing appears to be wrong with him. Like, ever. He just (laughs) looks like Axe. Like, literally... They always say, like, shellfish allergy. He was there like the whole he was time. on the verge of death. He looks the same. He didn't lose any weight. He's, he's just, fine. He's just axe. I think it's, it was, a, it's just a dispute between him and It Vince, is, right? That's it, all it is. it is. I think so. Shellfish allergy, my ass. <laughs> so this, so Got this, sick for a night, probably. That's about it. Probably. Yeah. This was also from Challenge. As always, Crush sucks. Yes. We get an insert promo with LOD, and somehow they manage to piss off Gorilla. Yes. So, like, immediately, they come kind of mouth off to Gorilla when he throws to them. And was like, what do you mean? You yeah. can't hear us. Yeah. Gentlemen, what? We hear you. What do you mean what? We hear you. You know, three to two odds is not too good. They, these guys act like they own the place. I know. They're saying, they're, they're just, fuck them. Like, I, oh, Joe, like, why did they come here and they just, they act like nobody should, like, respect demolition and that they're the only people worthy of praise fuck them that they're the originals i don't remember them here in like 1987 or 86 or whenever the hell demolition started and wwf is wrestling damn it (laughs) demolition they did all the fucking work like they had a garbo gimmick coming in like nobody gave a shit about that that's true they built it all the way up to basically be better than lod Preach, brother. That's right. And then this crushed fella comes in. Crust. His entire career, his name, is based off being in demolition for like half a year, and he sucks. He sucks. He should have lost the crush name. They should have just called him Brian and just like... He should have not been allowed to use the name. In the meantime, here, Demolition gets the win. Gorilla also gets mad that the demo's three-peated, which is funny because yes. he was all happy about it at WrestleMania 6. He was the guy bringing it up, and right. Jesse was upset about the three-peat. Right. And like, now he's like, lingo. no, they, they, they three-peated! <laughs> yeah, it's like, those jerks three-peated. Uh, back to the event center. Go to Boston, okay? Just go to Boston. Go to Boston, see Dusty with Sapphire yeah. versus... I got the crown jewel. Yeah. Go see Dusty do things and stuff. Demolition says stuff. Yeah. SummerSlam promo coin. The heat is returning. Did you know yeah. that? Yeah. Now we get Great. another map cheer. It is Dusty with Sapphire versus Paul Diamond. This is from Superstars. We got Vince and Jesse on commentary. Yeah. Mark Eaton is the ref. The toe licker himself, Mel Phillips, is the ring announcer. There's a stunk granny dressed like Dusty <laughs> dancing at ringside. <laughs> Paul Diamond taunts Sapphire. Sapphire has a big diamond necklace, ironically, and Sherry does an insert promo with her purple dress and wonders how anyone could spend money on Sapphire. What's a, Okay, there's so much to dissect here. First of yes. all, the Paul Diamond. Yes. Amazing. Like, yes, how is I he here? I love that he's there. You know, Vince and Jesse, great. Always. Um, Mark Eaton as the ref. It's just always funny. Why? Because he's a Why was this always a thing? I don't know. Like, why do we keep running into this? Who was keeping time when he was refing? I want to yes. know. It's amazing that there is a stunt granny. Because she was there. we've covered, we know why she's there. Oh, yeah. And also that she's a big Dusty fan. She loves Dusty. Well, who doesn't? Yes. Now, the Sapphire with the necklace. Yes. Let's get into this. Go ahead. So, this we had thought was more subtle. 
Dusty wins with an elbow, by the way. Right. Who cares? <laughs> right. Right. Of course he wins. Yes. However, yes. Vince is making such a big deal about the necklace. Dusty is making such a big deal about the necklace. Necklace, necklace, necklace. They are hitting you over the head with that this necklace is going to mean something, damn it. Boom. Yes, they are. And so that's the thing. And even Sherry is, she doesn't need, she's not even in on it, which is kind of funny. She didn't know she, yet. Yeah. yeah. She's mad that she's receiving the necklace. But if I recall at SummerSlam, she's when they all find gleeful, out, yeah. they are like cackling. Yeah. and celebrating it's very like, funny. Ma- her and Macho about yes. like the fact that it was the million dollar man just like fucking with them like and by the way I still love to I this love day that the that million dollar man he has no pre-existing feud with no. Dusty Rhodes other than he's an asshole and he thinks it would be funny to like screw with him and Sapphire it's really right up DiBiase's alley as yeah. far as a character like yeah. oh you're poor I'm rich I'm gonna fuck with you yeah for no he, he didn't want Sapphire no and my favorite thing is that when <laughs> Sapphire did get revealed with DiBiase as you always said she like showed her coat she she's like, like shuffling around and that's like, it <laughs> yeah and then she just like off into the sunset cut a couple promos that were played for months and yeah. just never came back and that was it you never yeah. saw her again but we go to the event center again and what i have to tell you about it is getting the fuck in your car yeah. and go to boston on august it's 18th. so important it's very important boris zukov gives a very useless promo yeah the hearts and duggan give a promo where brett calls him the official third member of the heart foundation i've never heard of this ever i don't like this i would think all. it would be danny spivey or something like <laughs> yeah, that <I> but <laughs> my dad will listen to danny we've got a little surprise for you guys <laughs> yeah it's a big surprise it's hacksaw jim duggan <laughs> the official third member of the heart foundation we get a triple ho to end it by all three of them and yeah. then ian and tugboat talk about what do you think quinn paul kogan what yeah. do you th- Again. of course enough enough <laughs> next week we're gonna see demolition three what happened to demolition two i i thought <laughs> we went from or one to two here what, uh, what's going know. on i don't and know. jimmy hart's gonna be the co-host thank god that's a lot better yeah. than tugboat <laughs> yeah final thoughts quinn I, doesn't like ian mooney yeah I, <laughs> ian is the evil version you subjected me to this um never invite tugboat to anything ever again no please sean i love you but we do. When you're Ian, it scares me. It's not fun. We yeah. need to have Ian Mooney on the Just show. I only think. Ian Mooney. I would like our fans right now uh, that are on the social media with us. You know, the Twitter mm-hmm. and the cyberspace there. Right. Get on the Twitter and tell Sean Mooney that right. he that his brother needs to make an appearance with OVP. Right. Now, I've told him. He knows. But I want... It might happen. I want to get day. a little grassroots Could here. Could you imagine okay? if we were the first yeah. ever podcast yeah. to have Ian Mooney? Yeah. Not Sean Mooney. Right. Ian Mooney. I think we show. should do that. So uh, In character. Tell Sean to find his brother and get him on the OVP podcast. Yeah. You know, Tell him to take just a brief hiatus from talking to Duggan about whatever the hell. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. come on our show again. We had a lot of Duggan in this. A lot so. of Duggan. Uh, Quinn, this wasn't good. <laughs> no it wasn't and it's a shame too because it's during one of the better times for wwf i like this time period you do uh i do it, most don't it's focusing on all the wrong things like this show you too mean too much <laughs> too much hogan yeah like, shit if you didn't know the warrior was champion honestly you could pass him by in this show and have no idea there's a promo in this that we didn't mention uh-huh where Hogan's we did mention the promo but we didn't mention that Hulk Hogan looks like he's wearing a belt oh yeah and you could you could reasonably think in your brain if you've watched yes. the show like that he's the world champion the reason for that is like the way the camera angle was in yeah. this promo you can see like the top of his weightlifting belt right but only the top so it realistically looked like he's wearing the world title right I wonder if that was on purpose I bet you it was I wouldn't put it past Hogan overall this is a very poor snapshot of this period of time. It's a very poor spotlight of this time. <laughs> ah! 
Quinn with the win there. So I don't think I would ever want to watch a spotlight again, honestly. I mean, I've, there's probably more fun episodes, but this there? one sucked. Are there more fun ones? <laughs> Maybe though, in the early days know. where they thought this would be a show. I don't know. But you know what is a show, Quinn? Uh, this. This is a show. And folks, we thank you so much for being with us for 52 episodes. You know, Quinn. Yes. By next week, it will have been a year and a few days since we started this wonderful podcast. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And folks, we could not have done it without you. We thank you so much for your support over the last year. Thank you for continuing to give us suggestions for anything you want us to talk about, for reaching us on the social media. Please join our Facebook group if you haven't yet. Leave us a review on iTunes. And you know what? Don't forget to recommend a friend. You could win a free shirt and an appearance on the show. Yes. Be a great time. It will be a fun-ass time. Fun-ass time. So, folks, until next week, have a great rest of your day. Have a great rest of your week. We will see you on Monday, October 16th for episode number 53. See ya. Look at that necklace around Sapphire Did you see that? Wow. Check out that necklace. I gotta find out who's sending her that stuff. Well, you know that Rhodes didn't buy that for her. I mean, who would waste that kind of money on her? Well, that's a gorgeous looking necklace there, McMahon. There's a lot of diamonds in that. Why would anyone send expensive gifts to Sapphire? Maybe get a little better look at that necklace, Jeff. The only problem with looking at the necklace is you gotta look at what's wearing. Sapphire getting down. That's a pretty necklace, I tell you that. <laughs>